threat of disaster is never pleasant. Welcome to the Casual Preppers Podcast. These safety measures are essential. The only place for prepping, survival, and entertainment. This will be your source of survival instructions and information. Every member of the family must be coached in the business of survival. Here are your hosts, Cam and Kobe. Here we are. Boy, Cameron, I'm excited because this was actually, this was a really fun interview. It was. Uh, I, such good stuff. Man. Yeah. And there, there's a lot that goes into stoicism, um, stoicism but he, uh, man, Brady Pasola, he does an amazing job. And so oh, that's yeah. who we're going to talk about. Yeah, who is or Brady? Who, who's going to talk to you guys. So for one, he's a U.S. Marine Corp veteran, which is awesome, but not the type that you would think. Like... I mean, he, he's super down to earth mm-hmm. and he teaches other people self-defense survival. He, um, the thing I like about him is he teaches the stoic logic and reason to overcome emotional reactions mm-hmm. in an effort to help improve happiness and peace in life Yeah, and to help us when we encounter like the chaos of life. And as preppers, you know, we need to learn this stuff before <laughs> So that's why we wanted to bring him on. He also, um, he's a personal coach, um, that, and he founded triple B adventures, which is a nonprofit, uh, profit organization with the mission of helping the growth and development and personal well-being of veterans. So the dude is not out there for himself. He's out there to help other people. And most of the things that he does are just to teach. And so you can find him. Um, and we'll talk more about that on, um, the, he's on Instagram yeah, and it's the gray man project project. Yep. So gray man dot project. And he has a bunch of other stuff going on, but so good. seriously, you're going to like it. Um, yeah. this guy, uh, knows his stuff and super good speaker. Absolutely. But before we get to that, I got to tell you about Ryan already. Pre-kitted bug out bags are usually ill-equipped one-stop shops. The lack of Uh, That lack attention to detail of a custom loadout. Not the case over at Rhino Ready. The truest purveyors of kick-ass survival packs and gear badassery. Their founder, Michael, spent years designing a modular bug-out bag that combined critical survival supplies with performance build quality. After launching on Kickstarter, it took many sleepless nights tinkering on weight distribution, prototype testing, and in-person manufacturer visits to bring their products to life. They sell an absolute beast of a pack called the Companion, which you can get fully kitted or you can just build out the pack however you see fit with your own gear so whether it's to supplement your existing setup or a gift for a friend or a loved one you really can't go wrong enter our code casual preppers at rhinoready.com to take 100 off kitted companions along with 25 off everything else in the store and free shipping to anywhere in the united states of america how awesome is that? Uh, that's R-I-N-O-Ready.com. These packs are immaculate, sexy, and functional. Perfect gift. Yes. For you or that loved one. <laughs> you are that loved one. All right, guys. Here is Brady Pasola. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Uh, today, we're super stoked because we have a fantastic guest on Five Questions. Right, Cameron? We really do. Um, I think this is going to be a, like a unique take mm. on some of the stuff that we've done. So we have with us uh, Brady Pasola, and he is a U.S. Marine Corps veteran. He has tons of experience in teaching various tactical disciplines, firearms, self-defense, survival. Mm-hmm. He's also public speaker, teacher of strategic stoicism, and most importantly, he's a father. And I think that kind of teaches everybody a lot about who yeah. they are and, and what's important. So, yeah, yeah. well excited. Thanks for coming on, my man. Oh, thank you guys. It's a pleasure to be on. I've followed you guys for a long time. I'll watch your Pies podcast and I, I love the dynamic you two have. So uh, I'm super stoked to be here. Right. <laughs> uh, we appreciate it. Uh, giving us some time. Um, before we get going, though, can you kind of just give us a quick background on who you are, uh, what you do, and uh, just so some of the listeners who may not know who you are? Sounds good. I'm a nobody. No, <laughs> so I was a, well, literally like, yeah, I done a, so I was a Marine for eight years. I was a poke, you know, radio operator. Um, I got recalled military police. Uh, after I got done with that, I started a survival school teaching outdoor education and the back countries of San Diego, uh, became a firearms instructor for four and a half years, uh, with, uh, with a place on San Diego. And then in 2016, I transitioned into the executive protection and personal security industry. There, I've had a lot of fun. I found what I'm good at um, and I really like 
what I do, uh, being a protector, just because it's funny, it's this dichotomy of growing up as a kid, having been bullied as a skinny little kid. You know, when I joined the Marine Corps, 119 pounds. Whoa. So Whoa. now I, I just get bullied. Now I protect people from, wow. from a-holes and bullies and mm-hmm. now you're 219 like pounds. What's that? Now you're 219 pounds. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a nice that's a nice one. No. Uh, we'll, we'll stick with one nineteen. Uh, or time, sorry, two nineteen. We'll stick with two nineteen. Um, but uh, now I'm an exec protection agent, and then I run the Gray Man Project here on Instagram, which you know is mm-hmm. just a, a name. Um, and what I do there is try and take uh, Stoic philosophy, which has helped me quite a bit through my emotional adversity, and try and regurgitate it in a palatable format that mm-hmm. people can can use to, to help themselves become um, better men, better women, um, as well as better operators or tacticians or whatever type of tactical nomenclature you want to call yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where we found you. We've been following you for a while. Like I said, I think we've been following each other for, I mean, probably years at this point. Um, and, um, and that's kind of where I wanted to start was with the gray man project. Um, the name there um, means different things to different people. And yeah. so I kind of wanted to ask you, um, with that being the, the handle and kind of the name of your, you know, online presence there on Instagram, what, you know, why did you choose that name, The Gray Man Project? And what does it mean to you? And then, like, the last thing is I always like to ask is how can guys like Cam and I, just regular dudes living in suburbia, we, we're not operators, we never have been, never will be, but how can we utilize that kind of thing in our daily lives? Sure. And I think you're going to like what I say, because I thought about this last night. I mm-hmm. thought about you too last night. There's a lot of people. That, uh, not, 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 <laughs> you ain't the only one, buddy. <laughs> All right. So... I chose I chose a gray man project. So I, I you know, my Instagram used to be San Diego School Survival because that mm-hmm. was the, yeah. the survival school. Um, I dropped the survival school and I started a nonprofit taking veterans outdoors, hunting, hiking, camping, fishing for like five years. Mm-hmm. My stepdaughter died because I could. My daughter's at age now where I need to take her hunting, hiking, camping, fishing. Um, so I changed it to the gray man project. And the reason why I changed the gray man was around COVID era, and I was starting to watch people absolutely lose their excuse me, lose their minds over lack of toilet paper. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to set myself apart from the rest of the preparedness because I'm, I'm a prepper myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very casual prepper, just like you guys. And so, but the problem was, is, is Discovery Channel and History Channel and, and, and those areas have really done a number mm-hmm. on just – for sure making the idea of a prepper just this, this – character this this cartoon character of doom and gloom like well there's a there's a big guy you know in a rascal shooting machine guns and half the shows the doomsday like we all say doomsday prepper we oh, know yeah. i don't have to get into it without disparaging anybody which i don't want to yeah. but we understand mm-hmm. and i wanted to move away from that and one of the i did like the term gray man because it was this kind of like ubiquitous term it can be anything mm-hmm. um and and for those who don't know where the gray man, the, the name gray man is actually a prepper uh, nomenclature. It came from the prepper community, but it was more of this, this idea of being Denzel Washington walking across the, the country when the world ended. You know, yeah. it's like mm-hmm. being that gray man is, is blending in with your environment and not um, showing off your tactical skills, abilities, because it'll make you a threat, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll, it'll make you get, get killed first. That's yeah. what the idea is. So, um, and at first I started off with, you know, situational awareness, you know, basic security, taking things that I learned as a private investigator and as an exec protection agent and taking that tradecraft, whether it's surveillance, counter surveillance, um, self-defense shooting, whatever it was, just trying to, to say, Hey, here's a more palatable, um, way of going about this because I wanted to create a palatable, um, format for preparedness that didn't scare people off, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, I worked in Los Angeles half the time, you know, and Skylar and Michelle in their, in their studio somewhere in West Hollywood or wherever it was, was losing their minds. And I wanted it to me, in my mind, I wanted preparedness to be something for everybody. It doesn't have to be this right wing military yeah, special force, super underwater ninja scuba sniper Jedi shit that, yeah. that people, you know, look at and go, Oh, that's a little scary. I, I'm good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. I want to say, Hey, look, 
everyone should practice preparedness. Everyone should be prepared. Preparedness isn't about being, you know, this this idea of of militias and 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 guns and ammo and MREs and food and underground bunkers. It's simple as something as going out to Walmart when there's a sale on toilet paper and getting extra toilet paper or getting extra food or getting extra canned food, but also this this area around it of like learn how to cook better, learn to reduce your calorie, your intake if you're trying to prepare for something that's coming up. Learn, you know, physical fitness, learn learn all these different things. Learn situational awareness. Not situational awareness where like there's paranoia because there's a difference yeah, and yeah. we'll talk about it later, but it's all these different things. So I, gray man to me wanted to be just this, this all around friendly face of preparedness that everyone can digest. And that, so that's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's exactly what we try and like, yeah, express, I mean, not in such a smooth, like <laughs> clear manner that you did, but that's exactly what we are all about. Yeah. When, like, when we started doing this, prep. that was the whole point <clears throat> in 2016 when we started. It's, it felt like there was this, um, there was a dichotomy when you looked at preparedness online. It was either that like, uh, you know, it, uh, doomsday prepper who's in his bunker counting his two, two, three, right. You know, there's that guy. And, and then there's, um, the person on the bottom that's not prepared at all. It's like, there's gotta be somebody in between. There's gotta be a way in between where just everyday people can take a few little steps into preparedness. And that, I mean, we're right there with you because it makes so much yeah. sense for us. Yeah, just like you said, they almost painted as like a mental health problem or a, a <laughs> yeah. disorder. Cause it's like you have hoarders, at mm -hmm. nine o'clock and then 10 was doomsday preppers or something, you know, it's just like you put two like, kind of extremes. <laughs> of, sort, I don't know. So yeah. Here we got hoarders of junk. And now yeah. we have hoarders. Yeah. You're like, oh, don't, don't those go together? Yeah. And it did, it did look like yeah. a lot of like kind <laughs> yeah. of a mental disorder. And so the rest of us were preppers were like, yo, take it easy. All right. It's, mm -hmm. it's yeah. Yeah. Let's tone that down a little bit. Then you didn't want to like, let anybody you know, know. What's that? Just that, yeah, you, you, it's like you didn't want anybody to know that you were a prepper for a minute because you're like, they're going to all assume that I'm a doomsday prepper. Exactly. You almost want to go gray man there. So, and then in the image I have of gray man, when they talk about like blending in stuff, you know, look, I look and, and talk and breathe and walk a certain way. So people know right off the bat, I'm military. I'm somebody that's done yeah. something, you know, and that. You guys, and please don't take this as 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 an insult. It is not. Um, but you guys are what I would consider the perfect gray man. And mm -hmm. essentially, like if I looked at you guys on the street, I wouldn't think I I you would blow past me. I wouldn't even I I wouldn't even suspect that you guys you know have the knowledge and skills mm -hmm. and abilities that you do. Over the years, people look at me and go, "Okay, yeah." Well, and they look at you and they go. They wouldn't think twice about it. you guys are perfect great man because when they're looking at me, you guys are swinging around to the right and causing hate and discontent and getting ready for, you know, <laughs> that's whatever. the plan, buddy. That's the plan. <laughs> you guys are, are great at so so. If I was to, to categorize what a perfect great man was, I, I would say it's you guys. Gosh, you dude. guys blend in. Look at that, us. You know, you wouldn't be noticeable. Um, look at so us. and people look at me and go, "Oh, you're the gray man. You got seventy five thousand followers online. You're not quite the gray man." Look. Mm -hmm. I get it, you know, but most times people are doing this right in their phone. They're not noticing anybody else. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's where I want to, you know, mention the difference between paranoia and, and situational awareness. Situational awareness is objective observation of your environment in a relaxed state to detect whether someone um, could be a threat. Paranoia is unfounded fear that everyone is out to get you. Yeah. There's, there's a distinction there for sure, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I Absolutely. love that man. Uh, I I love the the idea around the gray man. I love that you picked that for uh, your handle there and sort of um, yeah. I just love it. We get the same thing too. It's like you guys aren't very you know discreet and like yeah. Obviously, you know, you're the doing. I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> obviously, can't do that in what we're doing, sharing this information. But how are, how are we supposed to share information? Exactly, if we don't I know. know about because these guys you know billy bob with youtube outdoors ain't gonna get out there and start teaching survival outside <laughs> from his bunker and doing all that crazy stuff i remember the early days of youtube survival where it was terrible like video mm -hmm. like i was watching les stroud and i'm gonna show you how to make a bow drill the way i do it down here in alabama <laughs> yeah. with cypress trees and stuff 
it was like, man, it was, it was, was one of our videos, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's how it was. Um, you know, you know, and I love the other aspect one of the big aspects of what you talk about is stoic philosophy. Um, and over the f- the last few years, I've really started to try and understand it. Um, there's a lot to it, obviously, but it connected with me really, really quickly once I started to investigate it a bit. Um, and so can you please uh, tell our listeners, anybody watching, give them a quick overview. And I know that's really difficult to do, but what is stoicism? Um, and then like when my, my real question is, how does stoicism line up with preparedness? Because I've kind of been trying to work this out in my mind a little bit. Um, like, how does it line up with preparedness and how can it help us as preppers? Absolutely. Love to. Stoicism is a 2,500-year-old philosophy. It's a Hellenistic philosophy. Uh, some of the biggest names that you might hear, well, the biggest name that everyone will recognize is the emperor Marcus Aurelius which is closest you can get to Plato's idea of the philosopher king. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote the book Meditations, which I carry with me like a, like the Evangelicus uh, carries a Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just because there's so much logic and reason there. And basically what Stoicism is, is propositional logic. Either things are or they are not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all based on logic and reason. And in fact, the idea of Stoicism is to be a very pragmatic design for living. That's what Stoicism is. So when you start studying Stoicism, you're not just studying it like an academic in college. You need to adopt the lifestyle. You need to adopt the words, adopt the the mentality that it presents. It helps you achieve goals under reason and logic and allows you to work despite the emotional uh, solicitations that that happen in your external environment. Mm -hmm. And so... When it comes to the idea of preparedness, we preppers prepare for disastrous environments outside. Stoicism is a survival tool for the disaster environment on the inside right here. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be fully prepared, if you want to be able to fully react um, under logic and reason, rather than under the influence of emotion, then stoicism is that survival tool to help you survive this environment, the mental environment before you can achieve survival in the external disastrous environment. Yeah, man, I love that. There is, yeah, I've read meditations twice now. Um, and, and my plan is to read it every single year. Like it is insane how much good stuff is in that book that was written that long ago that really wasn't even supposed to be published. Right. It's basically like his diaries. And it just, it'll blow your mind. If you haven't read Meditations, it's one of the books that I recommend to seriously everybody. Cam, I, I got over Cam and over, like, over and over again. Because, yeah. yeah, like, it was so deep when um, the first, like, and I've read it once, and I, I definitely am going to read it more mm-hmm. because you, you pick up different things each time. Like, I started listening to it a little bit again, and mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm, it's crazy. Like, I, I don't think there's a better time that people should really be looking at this because you talk about emotion and it is out of control now. Like mm-hmm. the way people react to their, you know, emotional state and what they believe everybody should think is how they think. And it's just crazy right now. So I like that you're sharing it on, you know, on, mm-hmm. on Instagram and everything. Cause we need, we need, all of us need to learn more about how to control our emotions through this. So. A hundred percent, you know, and when it comes, if I give a piece of advice, when it comes to reading meditations, it's not that it's reading it chronologically. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that you should have by, you should be highlighting, folding pages, underscoring, uh, making annotations, because it's one of those things that no matter, no matter where you open the book, there is a piece of logic that applies to you that day. Each page mm-hmm. is filled with rational logic. And for, for Marcus Aurelius as an emperor, especially in Rome, the Pax Romana, area who do you uh, who do you have to talk to if you are bothered by something if you're if you're an emperor nobody mm-hmm. they'll stick a knife in your back right yeah. so <laughs> that's true meditations is more about marcus really just talking to himself be a good person get out of bed do as you ought to do as nature designed to um teach you you know mm-hmm. it's 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 all rationality and logic you know and it's it's a beautiful work that is surprisingly was published and I'm glad it was published. You know, you also have, um, what I think is amazing part of stoicism is you also have 
Marcus Royas referencing a guy named Epictetus mm-hmm. a lot. And Epictetus was a slave. In fact, that's the name Epictetus means uh, roughly to be owned, to mm-hmm. property. And Epictetus was a Roman philosopher that came from uh, being a slave. And his teacher was Musonius Rufus, who was an amazing philosopher. And I can go on and on. You have Seneca the Younger, who was Nero's advisor, um, who ended up dying because Nero just didn't like him, told him to open his veins. Yeah. And so he did. Um, but a lot of the writings, if you look at the, the writings and the times and understand the people behind the writings, you'll find that those writings came from people who were experiencing adversity or mm-hmm. had experienced adversity. And that's what Stoicism does. It teaches you how to move through adversity, but move through adversity while building character and mental resilience. And that's the biggest thing when it comes to survival is your ability to be mentally resilient despite what's going on around you is, is maintaining a calm mind inside so that you can react appropriately make the right judgments because oftentimes people make decisions under the influence of motion. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing we know as human beings, you should never ever make decisions under the influence of drugs and alcohol, right? Because it clouds your judgment. Emotions affect your judgment the exact same way, mm-hmm. but we're still making decisions on the influence of emotion, especially today's day and age. Things are so politically charged and mm-hmm. so socially charged that people are actually becoming to use emotions as a standard for morality mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. just, this is how I feel. But, and that's okay. If you don't No, feel how I feel or, or you're canceled. Exactly because, how it is. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, yeah. What Elon Musk said the other day. Mm. Um, so with that being said, so, so stoicism allows you to say, okay, I'm, I'm feeling this emotion. I'm feeling anger right now. I'm feeling Displeasure is a decision about to make under the influence of this emotion. And if so, let's give it some time. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's relax a little bit. Let's, let's, let's make a better judgment off of it. Because what happens is when we make decisions of the influence of emotion, it's a feel good. We feel good. We punch somebody in the face. We clap back at somebody on the internet. That's a feel good emotion. And what stoicism teaches is the way to get to happiness and peace is through virtue, not through pleasure. So we reject pleasure and we embrace virtue, the four cardinal virtues of wisdom, which is knowing what's within your control, what's knowing what's not out of your control and focusing on what you can, your emotions, your actions, courage, action in the face of adversity, justice, not so much like law, like malum and say, malum prohibitum, but more about how you treat others mm-hmm. despite how they treat you because to treat to treat other people with dignity is to be dignified yourself. And lastly, temperance, moderation, restraint, moderation, all things, how you drink, how you eat, how you vote, how you think, not to fall into one extreme or the other. So the idea of, 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 of stoicism is, is to achieve what they call eudaimonia, stoic happiness, through pursuit of virtue rather than pleasure. Yeah. I love that. And I love how you say like not making these decisions under emotions because as preppers, I mean, we've seen this over the years, a lot of preppers get really caught up in, in the one emotion they really get caught up in is fear. Um, and a lot of people online, um, whether they're podcasting or whether it's YouTube are using that emotion of fear uh, against people or, or to, to build a following or to get them to buy this thing. Right. Um, and that's something that we've tried our best to preach throughout the years. It's like, don't make these preparedness decisions on fear because you think this and this and this is going to happen. Like stay steady, right? Just have a plan, work that plan, keep working that plan and, and don't get too high. Don't get too low. And for me, um, stoicism has, has helped me with that over the past few years, kind of work through some of those things. So I just, I love that that's kind of how you put it. Makes sense to me. I appreciate that. And you're absolutely correct. You know, what the media does, what the internet does is try and elicit an emotional response. Mm-hmm. So when you have fallen under someone's, you know, solicitation of emotion, you're now committing to actions they want you to do. That's what the media does. It scares the heck out of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It says, hey, 
this is happening. You should go do this. And so you're like, you're right. That scares the heck out of me. I'm going to go buy this product. I'm going to go buy that. I'm going to do, do, do this. I'm going to do that. What they're doing is a listening and emotional response. Mm-hmm. And so when people can control your emotions, they then can control your actions. And here's the way I put it. Emotions are this beautiful palette of colors. And you paint your actions with those colors. But when you let someone take over your emotions, they paint your actions. And that picture ain't going to be what you like. So So you can't let people take control of your emotions. Otherwise, they're going to take control of your actions. That's what the media does. They want you. It doesn't matter if they, um, it doesn't matter if, you know, it makes you happy or sad. What it does is elicits that response. And then you go and like, share, comment, Mm -hmm. follow. And it stimulates that algorithmic response that they want. So they don't care. They don't care. No. Uh, all these advertisements and solicitation of fear, it's just getting them to do what uh, their advertisers want, their donors want, and what they want you to do. Yeah, exactly and the more you control your actions, I promise you, you'll save uh, – your wallet will be a little bit fatter. Mm-hmm. You'll be a little bit more at peace, and your house won't be so cluttered with junk. Yeah. I, I mean, I love it because I feel like preparedness should be – um, an overall uh, benefit to your life. Some people, they, they take it to a place where it's not. It's taking away from the overall enjoyment of, of life, right? So it should be something that makes you feel at peace because like, hey, I'm ready. You know, I, I can face, if there's a two-week power outage, I can get through it. If, if this happens, I don't need to run to the store with all the idiots and get toilet paper. I already have some, right? So uh, I just yeah. love the thought of using these stoic philosophies as part of preparedness and um, uh, yeah, I appreciate that because it's something I've been trying to work out for a few years. Like no, we've been sure. wanting to do a full episode on it and I just feel like I, I don't, I haven't quite got my head wrapped around it yet, but we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, yeah. I'm a little uh, like afraid to talk about it because I'm like, do I understand it well enough that I can actually, mm-hmm. I think you do. And I, that's what I love about like your Instagram posts mm-hmm. is you give little yeah. snippets of that philosophy and it, it just, it's way easier to digest mm-hmm. than reading you know meditations is awesome but it, it, you've got to figure it out like yeah for yourself too like that and and that's actually it kind of brings me to this other question that we had for you um you know we talk about all forms of preparedness we talk about gear and we talk about fitness and all that stuff but one thing that we really try to stress and help people to understand are the the mental aspects of survival and i think that's difficult um for someone that you know hasn't um, served in the military and hasn't been under these, um, you know, a lot of us haven't experienced that. We live in a great country and, and we have a lot of comforts. So we don't go through that hardship to really experience it, to understand how to like, um, be able to like work with it and, and work with ourselves. So that my question for you was those things aren't very easy, uh, to, un- to experience cause we don't, we've never gone through that. You coach people on mental resilience. What does that mean? And what recommendations do you have uh, for those wanting to improve in that area? Sure. Well, the first is to recognize that adversity is adversity. It doesn't matter whether it's military or law enforcement or first responder. It's all different levels of adversity, but it's still adversity. You know, we have, we, we wake up and we are dealing with a survival situation the moment we wake up. We are still trying to survive because we suffer from the human condition and there is no cure for it, right? There's treatment. That's why I use stoicism as a, as a treatment for the human condition. But adversity is adversity. And, you know, it's funny as we train, whether it's shooting or wilderness survival, preparedness or disasters, we train and spend so much money for an event that has a 0.01% chance of happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we wake up. And we're dealing with a survival situation every day. We're dealing with adversity, whether it's, you know, disaster environment, um, every survivor, uh, every environment's, you know, the same, whether it's a human environment, you're sucked, you're dealing with uh, the other human beings, people who think differently than you talk differently, you know, they may have different aggressions than you, you're, you're dealing with a financial environment. Sometimes people just don't have enough money to provide for what they want to. That's still a survival situation. That's still adversity. And mental resilience comes from surviving 
those different adversities, those different environments, marriage environment, relationship environments, the the fatherhood environment, motherhood environments, those are all survival environments, the, the employment environment. You're surviving something every single day. Now, they may say, well, that's not life or death. And I disagree 100% because what that does, all those environments you survive, whether it's traffic, work, finance, relationship, that all takes a toll on your mind. And it just stacks straw. And then one day, you're going to experience a straw that breaks the camel's back. So what do people generally do to try and calm the anxiety and the stress that they experience? They turn to substance abuse mm -hmm. or overeating. And I'll tell you right there, that's going to kill you before anything else does. Alcohol is going to kill you. Drugs are going to kill you. Overeating is going to kill you. But people use that to satiate um, their stress. They use it to calm themselves. And so I will tell you that every day that we all go through adversity, no matter what, we all deal with adversity. And some people, I will tell you, I've been with guys that have survived some, some horrific shit. And I've also, remember the 2008 crash? Mm -hmm. And what do we watch? We saw people jumping from buildings. We saw people killing themselves over money. So adversity is adversity, no matter what. And, and it's a gift. There's a guy that I was on his podcast. He wrote a book called The, uh, the Gift of Adversity. His name and his actual name. He's a good dude. You guys should have him on the podcast. Yeah. He's awesome. His name is Marcus Aurelius Anderson. He does the active nonverba <laughs> podcast. Wow. And um, I like what he says. He's like, adversity is a gift. And for me, when I look at that, I think, well, when you unwrap that gift, what do you get? You get character development and mental resilience. And anybody who doesn't see that as a gift mm -hmm. is not working past their emotions. They're not surviving their emotions. You have to work through your emotions. You have to survive your emotions no matter what and work through it because this is a tool that you forged in the furnace of adversity. And those tools, you know, whether you're a parent or a husband or a wife or a spouse or a partner, whatever it is, those are tools that you can pass on to other people. So don't be afraid of adversity. Embrace it. See it as a gift and say, all right, yeah, I like this. All right, I'm going to work through it. Yeah, it's stressful. And, but the moment you turn to alcohol or drugs or overeating, whatever it is, you are killing yourself and your mental environment is suffering. And I hope that answers your question. It does. No, I think we've, we've kind of addressed the, we talk a lot about your own personal apocalypse and it's like, if you don't have a strategy or you're not able to handle the things that are your everyday, then yeah, you don't really, you're not going to have a chance. So I like the way you put it. It's just like we go through all these trials daily. So we learn to work through those. Mm -hmm. Basically, we're going to have that mindset and, and be able to work through any problem that kind of gets thrown at us. And every problem's different, but the reaction is the same. There was a guy, um, if you, ever read his chan uh, get, if you ever get a chance to read his book, it's uh, his name is Victor Frankel. Oh, yeah. I have that book on my wish list. Yeah. Man's Search for Meaning, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Search for Meaning. Yeah, yeah, we just read Actually, it. Actually, I think we have it. We just we? read it last that, Oh, no, it was that one. That was like... Yeah, we just read it. That wish list was... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and he provided logotherapy, which is often mm -hmm. credited towards Stoic philosophy. Yeah. And that's, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy that people go through to treat themselves for depression and anxiety is rooted in Stoic philosophy. But he had said, one of my favorite quotes is, between stimulus and response, there's space. Mm -hmm. In that space, you have the power to choose your response. And that power to choose your response lays your growth and your freedom. Now, that's a great quote. And it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's a great, great thing to remember. It's also physiology. Yeah. And that's the other thing, that too, I think people need to understand is, is when you're studying Stoic philosophy, don't just study the philosophy. Understand why it works in the mind so much. Understand actual psychology and your brain physiology, why it works, because there's so much more there to learn and understand, especially in survival. As people don't understand, it's like you can I have these, these friends or firearms instructors, and they'll constantly say, well, the mind is the best weapon. Yet they know more about how to troubleshoot their firearm than they, want, than they do know how to troubleshoot their mind. Mm -hmm. And so if you, if you don't understand how the mind works and how your own psychology works, 
then it's going to be harder for you to understand why stoicism works for your mind. So it comes back to Viktor Frankl when he said that between stimulus response, there's space. In that space, you have the power to choose your response. In your brain, the limbic system, the limbic system is your response to external stimulus. It's responsible for your emotional behavioral response to what happens out here, right? And so there's two routes that information takes inside the limbic system. It goes from thalamus to amygdala. And your amygdala is responsible for your training and trauma. It's also the last part of your brain, your limbic system, that information goes through before you react or act, right? So there's two routes. And the way I like to explain it is like when someone, when your friend comes up behind you and tries to spook you, what happens? You get into a judo stance, right? Karate stance. I'm ready to mess people up, right? That is from thermos to amygdala. You're ready to go. Now, that information is also taking a second route. That's going through your sensory cortex, which is your sight, your hearing, your taste, your touch, not your smell. And if you want to learn why, I'll tell you in a bit. Then it goes through your hippocampus, which is responsible for contextual memory. Contextual memory is memory that comes and goes. It's names, dates, times, things like that. It's also recognition of who people are. It's one of those things like you ever see someone's face and you're like, I know your face. All the damn time. I don't know your face, but I know your face, right? That's contextual memory. And then you get into the amygdala. That information travels your amygdala, which is responsible for your second nature, your implicit memory. Implicit memory is memory that's stored. It's like muscle memory. And we'll talk about that later, but I love it everywhere. These new, these new tactards now are always like, there's no such thing as muscle memory. Yeah. They're correct, but they don't understand why they're correct. Or, mm. you know, it's an oversimplification because otherwise you get a guy like me trying to explain this stuff on a podcast of how the brain works. And then, so the information goes to your amygdala and then right there you go, oh, it's my buddy. And that split second, that space, you have the power to choose whether you're going to smoke old boy in the face because you're mad at him for scaring you or going, ooh, I could have, but I'm not going to, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that long route of information that Viktor Frankl's talking about, that space, you have the power to choose your response. And we're not talking just a thousandth of a second. We're talking that power to choose your response is a second, a minute, an hour, a day a week, a year, a month, whatever it is, you still have the power to choose your response. Now you can't stop emotion from feeling emotion. Emotion is going to happen. The anger, that fear, that scare, right? But you have the power to choose your response to that first initial reaction to the external stimulus. Yeah. I love that. I, I think I heard some, I don't know if this was a realist or somebody's like, this thing doesn't have to upset you. Yeah. Or whatever it is, right? I, you I have think the option of, of having no opinion. Yeah, like I, you and don't have to have an opinion have about this. Yeah, I think yeah, about that no all the time. Like all the time, I think about that because I, I see stuff Everybody on the news. Yeah. I see stuff Everybody all the time, and I'm like, you know what? Opinion. I don't have to let this like bother me at all. I got so much shit going on. Like, let's let that one go, right? Um, I, I think it's so important, super important. That was the one thing the I liked about meditation. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say that's where stoicism lies as a prepper tool, as a tactical tool, mm-hmm. and that it helps you understand and control, but you have to adopt the lifestyle. Epictetus said, don't just show that you have read books, adopt the lifestyle. It says, um, what, sheep don't show farmers um, that they're eating by chewing grass. They, they show it through developing their wool. Mm-hmm. Right. So when it comes to stoicism and those who are watching this going, well, I'm going to pick up meditations. Right. It's not one of those things that you can just pick up, read Mm -hmm. and forget about. Mm -hmm. No, it's a continuous practice. Even say it's like even when you feel good, Epictetus says it, even when you feel good and you feel better, don't stop studying. It's a continuous practice and it helps you keep your mind present. It helps keep you mindful about your emotions and your emotional reactions to external um, stimulus in your environment. Yeah. Love yeah. it. It's so, so far, it's so long ago, and it p- applies so much to just how our emotions were. Like, there's no difference. That's what yeah. I like. It's like, I was like, oh, it'll apply to the times of, you know, Rome and all that. But no, it's like humanity. It's, it's exactly how we all, ha- it's like timeless. how all of our emotions, mm-hmm. how we react to things. It's crazy. 
Well, so. it's it's funny if you look at you look at back then. They didn't have therapy back then. They had watered down wine and they had philosophy to figure out <laughs> what am I feeling like crap all yeah. the time? Mm-hmm. Like why? Like it, think of it as a peasant back in in Roman times or Greek times. Life sucks yeah. unless you're part of the clustering class or the you know, Senate class or the politician class, whatever it was, life really sucked. And you got to think, even these guys, these senators and stuff like that were practicing stoicism because they're like, Ugh. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. like, you know, and during Marcus Aurelius, he's fighting the, um, uh, the plague. There was a plague at his time as the Antonine plague. Mm-hmm. And it's believed that he, cause he co-ruled the empire with his brother. Um, his brother was complete opposite of him, just an absolute love drinking, Love concubines, love partying all the time. And then you have um, Marcus Aurelius, who's just trying to live his life as a philosopher. And as this one guy says, I watch him YouTube, one of the great, it's also called one of the greatest Stoic talks ever. And he says, yeah, the unfortunate, um, he was unfortunately born in the life of being a emperor. And all he wants to do is just read his books and say philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome, man. I love it. Um, thank you so much for that. Um, we have a couple more questions for you. Um, these ones we ask every guest that comes on, um, and they are the most important questions. So please, uh, get ready. (laughs) Next one. What conspiracy theory do you find the most interesting or entertaining and why? Aliens. Yes. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I don't, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, there's like, Oh, so my favorite thing, (laughs) You just, you just opened a box, brother. Mm-hmm. All right. So last year, a couple of years, do you remember like a couple of years ago, like the, uh, one of the IDF guys, like some, some former like Israeli defense minister was like, yeah, well, there's aliens and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's like, yeah, okay. Two years before that on YouTube, look it up. Some Canadian former defense minister was publicly bitching to the parliament that the United States was using tall whites for their technology and wasn't sharing. He was upset. They're not sharing other technology. They're they're getting from the aliens. And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> Are you serious? This is public. You can look it up. You can look it up. It is the most wild thing. But I love the idea of aliens. I love the idea that we have tall whites and little grays and weird people yeah. out there. <laughs> I mean, it's one. It's so plausible. It's so plausible. Mm-hmm. And I love it during COVID. You know, even the government was like, yeah, we found biologics in this thing. But I was like, yeah, we get it. Anyway, why the hell am I paying $9 for a, gas, a gallon of gas? <laughs> it, it really right? blows so, my mind. All this information that's out there, all this information that the government is putting out, and people are just like, yeah, that's fantastic. But did you see the last Cardi B single or whatever it was? Yeah. It's just like, what? No, we like, really... are you listening to what they're saying? This is insane. They stop. There's going to be a we're going to end up in an intergalactic war. One day we might be like, some spaceships come down. And we're like, yeah. Uh, why didn't anybody tell me about I, this? Yeah. And then you're going to, then you're going to really like, I think, how am I going to use stoicism on this one? Yeah, good luck with <laughs> that. Um, and you know, I'm going to be like, Marcus really didn't prepare me for this one, dude. What? <laughs> yeah. So like aliens, conspiracy theory, aliens. Um, I always love looking at the declassified documents on the internet of, you know, different intelligence agencies studying these weird, mm-hmm. you know, phenomenons or, or astral projection or something like that. I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, what? Look, you man, know, you actually paid for so some good. of this. Okay. Interesting. I'll read on. This is, this is Exciting crazy. So, and scary and fun. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, we, we live about 15 miles from Skinwalker Ranch, so we're like in the midst of all that craziness here. So it's, <laughs> oh it, it's so much fun for us to kind of just talk about these types of things, you know, uh, just yeah, it's, it's fun. My buddy introduced me to another conspiracy the other day, something about like these giants that all died out, but they helped build all oh, these yeah. buildings, <laughs> things like that. I'm like, what? Yeah. I started looking, and I was like. Weird you stuff. Know, and I'm, I'm trying to be a man of logic and reason, you know, <laughs> but I, you know what? I, my ADHD and my midnight, you know, being yeah. awake at 3 a.m. just goes down the Wikipedia rabbit hole and YouTube rabbit hole. And I'm going, mm-hmm. man, there yeah. might have been some giants. <laughs> so Can't you know, wake up and you're like, all right, never mind. I forget about that. But it's, it's wild. But yeah, yeah, conspiracy aliens. I love it. I, I think it's amazing. Project Blue Book and all that. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. It's there's so much pyramid good construction. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, pyramid construction. It was all alien, right? <laughs> it, yeah, it's insane. That's the one. Uh, it's super fun. That that one's a fun one to entertain. Mm. 
there's another one last year I was watching this. There's a former Armory guy. He's on YouTube. And he was talking about the right cut structure being Atlantis. Yeah, yeah. The eye of the, I thought that was cool because the only original historic source was hearsay from Plato saying yeah. Yeah. that Atlantis was was eight ring was was a circular area. It was like three rings of of, of water, uh, uh-huh. two rings of land, or three rings of land and, and four rings of water. And it was hearsay because even Plato was like, I heard it from this guy. Yeah. Who heard it from a friend who you know kind of <laughs> yeah. so so cool. Yeah. But but the Rycott structure, I, I love that. I, the guy did an amazing job. I think even Joe Rogan had him on on his podcast talking about uh, is it, it bright a, insight is that the guy from youtube i don't know. i don't yeah. remember but the guy is just the way bright he insight from youtube has some really really good stuff on atlantis as well as the the pyramids and all huh. that. just like yeah. insanely deep he go it's insane how deep he goes it's crazy yeah uh oh it's so much fun man yeah, that's that, good stuff aliens is so much fun people ask us all the time like hey if you could pick an apocalypse to come and end the world. What are you picking? Every time I'm like aliens, it is going to be, it'd be the most it's fun. At least exciting. Yeah. We don't know it's what's going to happen. The, the most exciting one of yeah. them. I think it's like you get to see stuff that you yeah. just dreamt about. Exactly. Movies. One of you guys pictures themselves as Tom Cruise and war of the worlds. Don't you? Yeah. Um, I'm more of I'm more of the guy because I do driving a nice Mustang, driving around with yeah. a couple of kids, running away from aliens. Yeah. Who doesn't want that? A whole highway that's got a perfect yeah. opening that I can just I think fly I'm, down. I'm more Randy Quaid in Independence Day, driving my ship up the asshole of the, <laughs> the other ship. So that's me. That's awesome. <laughs> that's a better one. Um, all right, last question for you. Uh, again, really, really important information here that we have to know. What's your favorite movie of all time? Jeremiah Johnson. Jeremiah Johnson. Whoa. That's, that's not one I was. That is a new one. I think that's crazy because I think that was actually filmed out here. I think it I was too. Yeah. It was because that was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Bros, Jeremiah Johnson. I, there isn't a month that goes by that I don't watch that either two or three times a month. Really? <laughs> one movie I have done on my phone that I will not delete because. Isn't that. I mean, um, first of all. Read about actual liver eating Johnson, mm. you know, and but Robert Redford, first of all, look, I don't care what you, yeah. you you like to go to bed with, but I do have a man crush on 1972 Robert Redford. Oh, first of yeah. All. Early Robert <laughs> oh, Redford is something like, else, bro, man. Can I, how can I look like you? Mm. Jeez. Mm. Uh, but Jeremiah Johnson is my all time favorite movie. I mean, just as someone who enjoys the outdoors. I mean, I live at 7000 foot elevation here in the in the mountains of Southern California. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I've, man, if I, if I could go back in time, like if I was, if I could, you know, die and, and, and God was like, Hey, what do you want to, where do you want to go? Dude, like like mountain man time. I want to be a mountain man. Right. But Samuel Johnson, the best movie. He's like, uh, you know, how do I get to the Rockies? He goes, do West of sunsets takes left at the Rocky mountains. It's like, Oh, (laughs) that's awesome. Yeah. Like Robert, Jeremiah Johnson. Wow, way, it's like the way, best GIF all of all time, too. You know that one comma one where he's just sitting he's there and doing he's like, that thing, just yeah. smiling and nodding his head. I'm like, I gotta it, go it back applies and watch to everything. Them. I haven't, yeah, I don't know that I've you ever actually watch, seen the whole thing. You just go back and watch Jeremiah Johnson today. You know, he's like, he's like, put your rifle, or he's like, hold up there, pilgrim. He's like, I haven't seen a man in twenty, you know, in forever. He's like, I've been smelling you for twenty or hearing you for twenty days and smelling you for three. You know, and he's like. Ain't been lucky too much, huh? He's like, you know, so it's just it's such a great I movie. I haven't watched uh, it, so I need to watch it. Yeah, they're hunting elk. He's like, he's like, well, the trick to it, you know, get behind your horse and walk up to the elk. He goes, what if they see your leg? He goes, elk don't know how many feet a horse have. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's classic, man. I haven't seen that since I was probably 12 years old the last time I saw it. I'm going to have to go back and uh, revisit that one. That's why we love to ask these questions because we love movies and, and we kind of like to see everybody else's take. And yeah, I'm going to have to revisit it now. <laughs> that one was, yeah. Yeah. I was out of left field. I'll tell you that. Yeah. That's awesome. Jeremiah Johnson's the best. Jeremiah Johnson. Awesome. And I had hope I had hope for the Revenant and I was thinking maybe that was going to be like the, the next Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah. yeah I could see that. Awesome. So fun. All right. We got time for a history lesson. Yeah. I got time. Mm-hmm. I am a history nerd, right? All right, so Ashley's 100. That is the the um, 
the group that went up the mountains that were, we found out about Hugh Glass, right? Mm, yeah. Hugh Glass is the one that got his ass bit off by a bear. You mm-hmm. know, there's Jim Bridger, there was Kit Carson. There's another two people named um, Peg Lake Smith and James Breckworth. James Breckworth was a freedman. He was a freed slave, became became a, um, a mountain man. Mm. And you had Peg Lake Smith. Peg Lake Smith obviously got his leg, you know, amputated at one point in his life. But he's also known as this big ass liar, like just mm. this terrible liar. So where I live in, in, in SoCal is San Bernardino Mountains. And the fun story is after after that whole event, uh, Pedelec Smith and James Breckworth um, teamed up together and ran a horse thieving operation with a Ute Indian chief. Mm. And um, that Ute Indian chief actually started moving up the mountains because uh, he, he was being chased by the San Bernardino County Sheriff. Uh, I think I forgot his name. But that being said, his great great grandson is General Patton. Whoa! Holy crap! Really? Wow! Yeah. But they but they they ran up the mountains, and once they chased the Indians up the mountains, they lost the, the Indians, the Utes, um, and they just saw the area that I live in. They saw his lake and stuff like that, and so a whole area where I live here in Southern California used to be full of grizzly. And they just hunted it out, and then mm-hmm. it was a whole bunch of gold mining going on. And there's a place called Holcomb Valley, where uh, you know there's this cabin. Still in this field, they got a hanging tree at the edge of the valley, you know, where they would hang everybody. Uh, who, they would hang people, and after they hung them, they just cut the branch off. So there's a tree out there that just Old has stripped of all this. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. So it's a lot of wow. fun. That's so, crazy. But I know. I, uh, and, and that'll tell you why I love Jeremiah Johnson so much, is yeah. because I studied a lot of that kind of history. Um, and, you know, I still got. If we did this in my in my loft where my office is, you would see furs and hatchets and axes and, and things like that mm-hmm. uh, sitting in my in my office. Um, but here I am in my dungeon of a garage. Exactly. <laughs> uh, man, this has been so much fun. We really appreciate you taking some time with us today. This has been a blast. Um, before you go, though, can you please tell the people listening where they can find you and all the stuff you have going on? Pretty simple. Not a lot going on, but you can follow me on grayman.project. Um, and then if they get a chance to, if you got time, um, I have some Hollywood types behind a show that we're trying to produce called The Stoic Approach. Mm-hmm. Now, what the Stoic Approach is, is taking an actual philosophic approach to current events and legacy subjects. You know, like here's a Stoic Approach to divorce or a Stoic Approach to, to death or mm-hmm. a Stoic Approach to finance, hardship. War, famine, you know, whatever it is, we're going to talk or actually we, me, I'm standing in front of camera with a script uh, that's been helping me with a bunch of people because ADHD, I will ramble on. Yeah. So I gotta <laughs> um, but we're going to take an objective approach to current events rather than, you know, people seeing talking heads on MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, wherever you're watching, getting your news from. And that's that's eliciting your emotional response. We're going to try and give you a more objective, rational response and and give you an option to think about things a different way. And so that's what we're going to do. So it's called the.stoic.approach. Awesome. Um, but you can get there from my my page, grayman.project, G-R-A-Y, the American way, not the English way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> project, um, And that's where you can find me. Beautiful man, uh, thank you. It's been, it's been a blast talking Seriously, with you. Awesome. Yeah, this is this has been good, good. stuff. Everybody needs to learn it. They really do. Um, and we'll have to have you on again at some point, man. Name the time and date, brother. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Uh, stay survived.